following message from Pastor Kit Johnson comes to you from Life Point Baptist Church in Apple Valley, California, where we pray that God's Word is a real blessing to you. We can turn your Bibles to Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. And uh, our text will be verses 1 through 7. Now, I just have to warn you to start here today that uh, in the last year and a half, as we've worked our way through Romans, we've looked at a lot of passages that people just love. People enjoy them, they're a blessing, and we like them. But today's passage is one that you may not naturally love, all right? Romans 13, beginning in verse 1, it says, For every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Well, that's not what we want to hear today, right? Pay your taxes, obey the government. You know, we, we love to complain about the government. It's one of our favorite pastimes as Americans. Probably true of everyone else in history as well. Now, a lot of that is justified, right? And our government has big problems. And, and I certainly uh, want to just frame everything I'm going to say today by being very clear that, that our government has lots of problems. There's a lot of evil, a lot that happens in our government that is wrong. And, and I certainly don't want to minimize any of that. But the truth is, is that our problem with this passage is not fundamentally about how bad our government is. Because you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve one good rule from the perfect God. And was that good enough? No, I mean, that, that's about as libertarian as it gets. But one rule was too much. And Adam and Eve rebelled. So, so our biggest problem is not the federal government or the state of California. Our problem is fundamentally here that we don't like authority. And that is especially true of men. You know, there, there's a lot of men who will pound the table for authority structures when they are the authority. And they will say, you know, my wife and my kids, they need to obey me. But they get really quiet and really sheepish when you start to challenge them that they need to obey authority themselves. And so men... Before you're ever qualified to lead others, you've got to learn how to follow. 
and how to submit well to the authorities that God has put in your life. But, but while that's true, that there's no question that, that government overreach during things like COVID, you know, or, or just the, the constant gnawing of left-wing political correctness ha- has made us, you know, particularly more conservative people, just more resistant to, to governmental authority, right? And Americans just don't trust the government like they used to. And, uh, and some of that's probably justified. And, and so a lot of people, in particular in our day, and particularly conservative people, are done with stupid rules. We're done with stupid rules. And it's a documented fact that that is especially so for men. Now, men are tired of silly rules. And, and they're, being, they're tired of, of, of left-wing politicians telling them to essentially apologize for their manhood. And so, they're just done with it all. They're done with authority. They're done with people telling them what to do. And increasingly in our culture, particularly among more conservative right-wing people, there is a tendency to just put it all aside and to move towards a rogue individualism that is harsh, that is caustic, and that is inconsiderate of other people around us. And I'm sure that's a threat for a lot of the guys in this room. It may feel really good to say, I'm done with all authority. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And it might be very normal among the guys that you work with on a daily basis. But it is not Christian. Now, God told us in in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that, that based on the mercies we have received, I mean, God has given us incredible mercy in Christ. And based on that mercy, we are to present our bodies as a holy and acceptable sacrifice. We are not supposed to be conformed to this world. We're to be transformed. And then from that, Paul gives us a number of ways that we live transformed lives that are holy and acceptable. And one of the ways that you live a life that is holy and acceptable to God is by obeying the government. That's what he says here. So yes, a lot of loud and very compelling voices are telling you that's absurd. Do what you want. You know what's best. But we are not everyone else. We are Christians. We are new creatures in Christ. We have life in Him. And so, our job is to obey God. And we're going to see today that that obeying God is good and and that God's way is always best. You are never best coming up with your own way. You're always best off to live God's way. So, I plan to spend two Sundays on this passage. And today, I want to consider why. Why we must submit to the government. And next Sunday, we'll talk about how you must submit. So I know, all right, I know when you come to this passage, a passage like this, everyone immediately wants to jump to, to certain very specific applications and questions, like, like when is disobedience okay? That's what we all want to know. And you're just going to have to come back next week, all right? Because, because really, but before you can ever deal well with a question like that, you, you have to first understand that government is a good gift of God, and you have to understand why that is true. 
before you can ever get to all those applications and exceptions. So, specifically, I want to challenge you today to trust God and His sovereign will for your life. Because that's the fundamental issue. You have to trust God. And when you trust God and we trust His will for your life, then everything else makes sense. So, so trust God and based on that, be ready to embrace God-ordained authority. And God gives you four reasons why you need to embrace God-ordained authority. And the first reason He gives is because government is God's good gift. Now before I explain why that is, because you might not necessarily agree with me on that, Notice who we are talking about. So, so verse 1 gives the central challenge of the passage. It says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Now, governing authorities there includes every level of the government, specifically, not just the king. So, we know that because verse 3 mentions rulers, and it's in the plural, all right? And, and then as well, verses 6 and 7 highlight local officials who collected taxes in the Roman government. So if you're tempted to think, well, well, this passage only applies to the king or, or to high levels of government, or especially if you're tempted to think, well, it only applies to good governments or, or to officials that I elect or that I vote for or that I like, well, then sorry, but you are mistaken. I mean, who was the king when, when Paul wrote this book? It was Nero. It was the man who would eventually take Paul's life. And think about the fact that by the time Paul wrote Romans, he had already endured a lot of persecution at the hands of local governments. So Paul lived under a bad government, a harsh government, an oftentimes unjust government. And yet, remarkably, he still commands us to submit. Now, why is that? Well, verse 1 says, there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Verse 2 says that government is rooted in the ordinance of God, His sovereign will. And verse 4 says that government officials are ministers, or you could also say servants of God. So, what's the application of that to us? That means that our federal government is ordained by God. That the California government is ordained by God. And the same is true of our county government, the town of Apple Valley, or wherever you live. They are ordained of God. Now that might be a really hard pill for you to swallow. And some of those authorities have big problems. But God says He ordained them. It's not an accident. And so you have to see them with a God-centered perspective, not a man-centered perspective. And, 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 while, and while individual authorities might be corrupt, I just want to start by emphasizing that, that as a whole, government is a gracious gift of God. It's a gracious gift of God. I don't know why you're not all amening that, but, but it's a gracious gift of God. Now, now why is that? Well, first of all, because government displays to us God's authority, God's righteousness, and God's justice. Now, our God is a God of order. I mean, think about the fact that even in the Godhead, there is an authority structure in the Trinity. 
So God is a God of order. He's not a God of anarchy. And as well, God is righteous. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. No such thing as your morality and my morality. God is a God of righteousness, righteous laws. And God is a God of justice. He's a God who who punishes sin and rewards righteousness. So so when when the government creates order, when it establishes laws defining right and wrong, and when it enforces those laws through a good justice system, they are reflecting to us the character of God. The government is, is fulfilling a function for us there of showing us who God is like or what God is like. So we need to just say very clearly that God invented the government, not some you know, power-hungry dictator. And specifically, and just you know, where you ground this in Scripture, is all the way back when, when Noah got off the ark. When, when Noah got off the ark, considering everything that happened before that, Genesis chapter 9 says that God told Noah, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. So, so God there was setting up an accountability thing, his system. He's saying that, that people need to be accountable for their sins. And ultimately, as, as Scripture develops, in particular as you move towards Israel, we, we see that, that that responsibility is put in the hands of a governmental system. And verse 4 of our text says that when the government does this well, it acts on God's behalf. Again, the, the second part of verse 4 says that it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Now that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, sinners, because sinners, we, we don't thrive doing whatever we want. We thrive under good authority structures and with good organization. And you see the evidence of that all around you, right? I mean, you can see it in your home. You can see it, uh, hopefully, in the church. You see it in, in your workplace, at school. That when there is no authority structure, when there is no organization, do we do well? No, we get mad. We start biting at each other and getting frustrated at each other. I mean, we thrive with good organization and with good accountability structures. So don't despise authority. You need authority. We all need authority. Love it as a good gift of God and a reflection of His authority over our lives. I like what John Piper says. He says, The irony is that human autonomy feels like we have gained significance when in fact we have lost sanity. Freedom from God feels exhilarating, but it is the exhilaration of skydiving without a parachute. So give thanks. Give thanks for the government. And give thanks for every other God-ordained authority in your life. So so government is a good gift of God. It It reveals God's character to us. The second reason it's a good gift is because government anticipates Christ's rule. This is a very, I think, an appropriate place to go, particularly this time of year, that you know, one of our favorite Christmas passages is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It's looking ahead to the second coming of Christ. Ultimately, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government 
will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. So, heaven is not going to be doing whatever you want to do. Heaven is not going to be anarchy. Heaven is going to be a perfect government under the perfect king, King Jesus. Now, sure, no no depraved ruler or government official today is going to come anywhere close to matching Jesus. But that doesn't mean that that authority is not a good thing. It only means we need a better authority. And so, when the government does something good, give thanks. And and look at it as a reflection of something that, that is better coming someday. Jesus is coming, and it's going to be like that. And when the government does something bad, well, you should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, we can use this to look forward to Christ. And then a third reason why government is a good gift is because government restrains depravity. Now, again, you might like to think that you would do great without any authority or accountability in your life. And I would thrive. I would always know what is right and wrong, and I would always do it. I would please God. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. But God understands that that we need accountability. And probably the clearest illustration of this is in the book of Judges. So so the end of the book of Judges um, tells a couple of just tragic stories about how Israel spiraled into a horrible place of, of violence, paganism, terrible abuse. And why did it happen? Well, God says four times at the end of Judges, there were, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And God says Israel needed a king to hold them accountable. To, to say, this is God's law, this is what you must do. And you need that too. You need authority in your life. You need the government. Now why? Because you're a sinner. You're a sinner. And and you are prone to self-deception. And furthermore, there's there's a ton that you just don't know. Right? So so I'll give you an example of this. Car seats. I've, I've got four younger kids and car seats are terribly frustrating things. They're frustrating to put in and out of a car. It's terribly frustrating to put kids in and out of them. They hate them. They gripe about them. So if there was no one telling me to put my kid in a car seat, I would throw those things in the dumpster probably lickety-split because I wouldn't want to mess with them. But I'm really grateful that someone took the time to determine what my one-year-old needs to be safe. And I'm glad that I am held accountable for putting him in that seat. That is good for me. And and so, yes, the the government and other authorities, they make a lot of mistakes. And and it goes to every level. I mean, your husband is going to blow it. Teenagers, your parents are going to do dumb things. They're going to lose their temper. They're going to have silly rules. The church is going to make mistakes. 
your teachers, every other authority is going to do things that they shouldn't do. But don't buy the worldly arrogant notion that you always know what's best. And don't and no, trust God that God knows what is good for you. And so give thanks. Give thanks for the government and every other authority structure that God has built into the fabric of our lives. So, so the first reason you should submit to the government is because government is a good gift of God. And then the second reason is, is that um, God places authorities in power. Now, you might be fully on board with that last point, all right? God ordained the government. And by extension, God ordained the family structures and all those things. And so, and so those structures that God built are good, right? But here's your exception. There is no way that he ordained our current elected officials. That has to be a mistake. Or, or maybe, you know, women, you think you married the wrong man. God gave you the wrong authority in your husband. Kids, you might think, man, I was born into the wrong home. I have the wrong parents. You might think you have the wrong boss. And so you think that because of that, disobedience is justified. And there's no way God could expect me to obey this authority. But God is not going to let you off the hook. Verse 1 says, says there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Now folks, that is an incredible statement, isn't it? Incredible. You know, and remember that Paul didn't write that from some you know, utopian village of peace and happiness and well-being. No, Nero, a demented, horrible man, was his king. And all sorts of local governments had persecuted him. So, so how could Paul say that? It's because Paul was ruthlessly committed to the sovereignty of God. And he believed that there are no mistakes. There's no true bad luck in the universe. And everything God does is good. And so he believed that God put Nero over him. And notice that, that, that twice in verse 4, he calls the Roman government a minister of God in his life. So let's get really specific. God is saying to you that Joe Biden is a servant of God in your life. Gavin Newsom is a servant of God in your life. And you can go right down the line with everyone else. And he says it again in verse 6. He says you need to pay your taxes so that local government officials are free to devote themselves to serving you. Now that's a really hard one to swallow. But that's what God tells you in His Word. And, and, and don't think, you know, and, and don't think you're, well, well you know, maybe, maybe Paul bumped his head before he sat down to write chapter 13. You know, or maybe, maybe he had some bad grapes, you know, and his mind was a little loopy. No, no he's just reflecting the, the broader theology of the Bible. So, I mean, Daniel chapter 4, verse 17 says, this is, this is just before a God humbles King Nebuchadnezzar and, and makes him like an animal for a time. And Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar, 
that the God was going to humble him in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. So here's the question, will you believe God? Now, on the one hand, you know, if, you, if you doubt God and you believe that, 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 that the world is full of accidents and, and that evil is a true rival of God, I mean, your heart's going to be filled with anxiety, anger, bitterness. Or do you believe that God is sovereign? There are no accidents in the universe. He is in control. And the proof, and you can sit there and nod your head today, the proof is how you respond. What's in your heart? Now, to be clear, you should feel righteous indignation towards a lot of government policies that are evil. And you should work to see them changed. You should pray. You should vote. You should campaign to see evil leaders taken out of office. But but do you also rest in the sovereign wisdom of God? And if your heart, I mean, if if, if your first feelings when it comes to politics are malicious anger, bitterness, and, 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 and frustration, then you're not resting in the sovereignty of God. If you're willing to compromise biblical ethics in in how you attack a politician, and you begin to get coarse and and, and ungodly in how you attack people and in the language that you use, you are not trusting the sovereignty of God. And and, and let me say this too, you're you're carrying a burden that, that, that you just don't need to bear. I mean, when you rest in the sovereignty of God, that is so liberating. I mean, just think of Daniel. I mean, think of everything that Daniel went through by the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? So, so he's, in the, he's in the throne room of King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the man who ripped him out of his home as a teenage boy and carried him across the world. This is the same man that a few years later went back to Israel and killed off most of his countrymen. This is the man who ordered the city of Jerusalem burned to the ground. This is the man who destroyed the temple of God. Now how in the world could could Daniel look at this guy and respect him and serve him? It's because he believed what he said. He believed that God is sovereign. And because he believed that God is sovereign, his faith allowed him to leave all of his anguish all of his bitterness, all of his worry, all of his rage, just leave it with God. Leave it with God because God is in control and everything God does is good. And you can do that too. Not just with the government, but with every other burden of life. And do not let bitterness, anger, anxiety, misery dominate your life. No, trust the sovereignty of God. God is in control. And because of that, the Bible commands you to to cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. God cares for you. God is not in heaven just enjoying your misery. He cares. 
Everything he does is good. So, so don't fret about the government. Don't get angry about the boss that God gave you. Your parents. Your spouse. No, leave it with God. Rest in His love and His sovereignty. There are no accidents. There is nothing truly bad in the will of God. Cast all your cares on Him. And then the third reason why you need to submit to the government is because obedience to government is obedience to God. Now once again, I mean, you, you'll, you will never think rightly about the government unless you're seeing it from the, with the right perspective on who God is. And so God is calling you here not fundamentally to a certain view of the government, but, but to a right view of who God is and, and to confidence in Him. He is calling you to a radically God-centered perspective on life. So, so don't let your favorite political commentator or, or the guys at work dictate how you see the government. Because I can about guarantee there's a God-sized hole in their perspective. And, and you know, the guys that, that get a lot of following, they get a following by being grouchy and angry and, and frustrated. No, no. And, and then with that comes all sorts of bitterness, anxiety. And praise God, you don't have to be that way. You don't have to be angry and weighed down. So start with God as you think about the government and about every other facet of life. And, and, and so verse 2, I mean, verse 2 here is absolutely incredible. It says, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, now of course, there are exceptions to that. Right? And, and the Bible's clear about that. So, so if any authority ever commands you to disobey God, then you have to obey God, not man. And, and we'll talk more about that le- next week. So, so yes, there's exceptions, right? But, but don't let your anxiety over the exceptions distract you from the fundamental principle that God is communicating. God ordains authorities. God ordains authorities. And and fundamentally, when you obey a God-ordained authority, you are obeying God. And when you disobey a God-ordained authority, you are disobeying God. Now, now don't think when, well, well, God understands it's a stupid rule. And that's just silly. I mean, that's just silly, right? Hey, parents, how often have your kids used that excuse on you? And how many times have you accepted it? You know, you tell your kids to do something and they don't do it. And they say, well, dad, that's a stupid rule. And you're like, oh, it's a stupid rule. I didn't know that. I guess you don't have to obey. You never accept that excuse. No, you say, well, it doesn't matter if it's a stupid rule. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So parents... Are you holding your kids to a higher standard than you hold yourself to? Do you expect them to obey God in a way that you are not willing to obey God yourself? And furthermore, just because your kid thinks a rule is stupid doesn't actually mean that it's stupid. They're wrong all the time. And you can see their arrogant foolishness very clearly. Right? Right? Can you see your own? Can you see your own arrogant foolishness at times that what you think is stupid is not necessarily stupid? 
And so, and so, with, so be careful to, to withhold judgment, to, to assume the best about the government, your school, your parents, every other God-ordained authority. And ultimately, will you trust God that He did not make a mistake when He placed that authority over you? You know, it might be a stupid rule. But God might have a sanctifying purpose in that stupid rule that is good for your soul. So so it's not a mistake. There are no mistakes with God. So verse 5 says, it is necessary to be in subjection for conscience' sake. Not just for wrath, but for conscience. So, So just because you can get by with it doesn't mean it's okay. And he says, you obey the government not just to avoid their wrath, but also for conscience, meaning that you do so because it is right before God. And so God sees, even if no one else does. And God is worthy of your submission, even if the authority is not. So will you trust God? Now, I know the government does some dumb things, right? I mean, your boss might be a jerk. Your parents and your teachers, they have bad days and they do dumb stuff. But God is never a jerk. He never has bad days. He never does dumb stuff. So so take your eyes off the human authority and put them on God. Trust Him. Because He knows what He is doing. And then, by the grace of God, submit for conscience' sake. And then the fourth reason why we must obey. Ooh, something jumped ahead there. We'll get it back. We'll let, we'll let Daniel worry about that. And the fourth reason why you must submit to the government is because government praises righteousness. We'll go ahead one more. Yep, there we go. Government praises righteousness and punishes evil. So, so look at what he says in verses 3 and 4 again. He says, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do it as good, and you will have praise for the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Now, once again, when you read these verses, it's very easy for us to jump right away to all the exceptions. All right? And unfortunately, the government does at time praise evil and punish good. And, and in fact, Paul was the victim of that. I mean, Paul had been persecuted for preaching the gospel, the, the, the ultimate good. And, and we're going to talk next week about the exceptions. But, but don't let the exceptions blind you to all the good that government does. Like, if our government, if our police... And our justice system just vanished. Your life would not get better. Your life would get far worse. I mean, violence, chaos, fear would explode everywhere. So praise God that we have a government. And praise God that it can't be said of us today that in those days there was no king in Israel, king in, you know, well, we don't have a king. There was no government and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So you should be thankful for our constitutional system. You should be thankful for the government we have in place. And God has been good to us 
to put us in a society of law and order. And then in light of that, obey the government. You know, verse 3 is a great challenge for, for those of you who, who dodge cops on your way to work every day. You know, or anytime you see one, you got to immediately you know, slam the brakes and look down at your speedometer. You know, he says there to you, they're not a cause of fear for good behavior. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good. So obey the law and you don't have any reason to be afraid. You know, here in a couple months, prepare your taxes honestly. Because if you prepare your taxes honestly, you have no fear of being audited. And don't resist that accountability. That's a good accountability in your life. You know, verse 4 says that the justice system acts as a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. You know, so, so what he's saying there is that, is that good justice is a reflection to us of God. And it's a foretaste of the perfect justice that God is going to bring on all of creation someday. And that is good for your soul. And it is good for your safety. You know, it's good that you fear the consequences of driving 100 miles an hour. That's a good thing. You know, I know that, that you know, agencies, like, you know, like the Child Protective Services, at times they overstep their boundaries and they do some things that they shouldn't. But it is a good thing that our society has a system in place to hold parents accountable to treat their kids appropriately. Now, hopefully you would never do anything to hurt your child. But it's not a bad thing that there's someone out there standing over you, making you think, I, I better not treat my child inappropriately. Uh, those kinds of accountability structures are good for us. And that includes every level of God-ordained accountability. You know, a good boss doesn't let you do whatever you want. He pushes you. And sometimes even godly people, it's good for us to have someone standing over us making sure we're doing our job right. You know, it's good for you to have a church that, that doesn't stay out of all your business. You need spiritual accountability. That is good for your soul. You know, a good coach pushes you to be the best you can be. You know, I mean, when I coach basketball, you know, practice would not go well without a coach. You need your coach to be a jerk once in a while. You need him to push you, even if it's uncomfortable. And so be humble enough to admit that you wouldn't be the best version of yourself without accountability. It is good that God has put authority structures in our life. So folks, of all the applications we've studied of Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the verses that follow, you know, this one here, embracing God-ordained authorities, might be the most unusual one. right? Because, because unbelievers could look at most of Romans 12 and say, yeah, that's good. Love your neighbor. Rejoice with those who rejoice. I like that. But the world is going to look at this passage and say, that is nuts. That's crazy. And it is if God is not perfectly sovereign, wise, and good. There's no reason why this passage makes sense without God at the center of it all. But He is. And so faith transforms everything. And, and, and gospel grace makes Obeying this passage, very doable. 
You know, so it's important as we, as we get into these, these exhortations in Romans 12 through 16 that we not forget chapter 6 through 8. That, that God told us in His Word that, that when we get saved, we are united to Christ. We are alive in Him. And, and, so, and so because of grace, because of the Gospel, we can yield our members as instruments of righteousness. And you can put aside all the frustration, anxiety, and rebellion in your heart, and, and by the grace of God, you can change. So, so, so don't think this is ridiculous. Don't think this is too much. The grace of God makes all of it attainable. Embrace God-ordained authorities. And, and when those authorities disappoint, and they surely will, whether it's the government or any other authority that God has placed over you, now just remember that the government will someday be on the shoulders of Jesus. And His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of His government or of peace. You know, we sing joy to the world. You know, He rules the world with truth and grace. That day is coming when a perfect government will be over us. And so it's going to be awesome. Christ is a good Savior. And He is worthy of your confidence. So do you know Him as your Savior? Do you know, based on the authority of Scripture, that you will be with Him someday in His kingdom? Now We, we sang earlier about the first coming of Christ. and you know, Christ came to the world and, and He came in humility the first time. He suffered for us on the cross. He died in our place. He took on Himself God's judgment against our sin. And that is why He came. And because He came to die for us, He, he offers forgiveness and He offers eternal life to everyone who believes on Him. And so if you've never received Christ, I hope that today you will receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your heart. Receive Him. Trust in what He did. Because, because Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again. And He is coming again. And, and He's not just going to fix your soul. The Bible says He is going to fix everything. He is going to reconcile all things to Himself. All that is broken will be fixed. And He will establish a perfect government where righteousness, peace, and justice will reign. Heavenly Father, we thank You for that promise and that hope. And Lord, we pray Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a day that's going to be when here on this earth Your will will be done in accordance with the righteousness of heaven. O oh Lord, come soon. Come soon. And fix everything that is broken. And God, I pray, I pray that you'd give us grace to believe your word and to believe all of your promises. God, I pray that you would heal us of our, our anger, our bitterness, our fear. Help us to trust your sovereignty and help us to obey because we trust you. Lord, we need grace. We need your help.
And I pray that you would be abundant in your care. In Jesus' name, amen.